why mostly relationship coaches are single <laughs> <laughs> do you think like people go in a relationship just to be with someone a lot of people are in a hurry to be with someone because when you need to heal there's a job that you need to do for yourself what they're doing is they're finding other people to fill it for them sometimes those words are being manipulated for what they really are you have to know a value you carry before you can understand how someone could love you yeah because if you don't value your so don't expect anyone else to love you that causes the person to feel like you're not giving me what i need and it turns into like this fight what's the difference between being in love and loving someone xavier yes Should how are you doing call you relationship coach That is correct. Good to talk to you. Welcome to Miles to Million Punjabi. Uh this is interesting man. Um from John Tyler to <laughs> now doing podcasting. <laughs> How are you feeling? Uh weird. Like, <laughs> you know, like you think you know how life is going to go and then it goes somewhere completely different. So, it's a blessing, but it's Sometimes I feel like am I going to wake up and I'm back, you know, doing everyday stuff or is this like my real life now? So, it's a little weird, but it's good. It's a good weird. It's Valentine's coming up soon. Okay. Uh we're going to do a Valentine's special podcast. But let's start with why you thought this is the field that you want to be or why do you think we wanted to be a messiah for women out there <laughs> <laughs> so you know what's funny is i didn't exactly just pick this right it okay. kind of just happened um cuz i was bad at relationships like one of the worst you probably would have ever seen like i was doing all of the things that well a lot of the things that i probably tell people and i warned them from so i was you know running into the wrong relationships dealing with the wrong people never finding love never getting what i wanted and i blamed everyone but myself so all that pain allowed me to say i need help and then when i finally got help i noticed how much of it was me that was causing it and then through that I was able to learn a lot of things about you know the relationship journey that a lot of people don't know and don't <laughs> even realize. So then I was like, why not turn this into a business? And, or why not talk about it first? I just talked about it at first. But then women showed up and they just were like, "Hey, receptive to it." So I thought why not why not be honest with women right cuz they wanted they were asking me all these questions cuz they heard from a man that could articulate what was going on right and knowing that i had that background and being able to tell them that that's when they responded even more so then i said oh wow like this is really something that is not happening now so mm-hmm. i just kept going and then before you knew it it became a whole business and i know your tiktok blew up Yeah. <laughs> That was wild. <laughs> I remember my first, you know, viral post was and this is kind of graphic, but it was about women who I guess 
it, it, the, a guy was talking bad about a woman, about okay. her private parts. Like he was like body shaming her. Um, and then I, def- I, you know, told him, you know, this is not right. And I told him you're body shaming. And I said that a lot of women have a problem because there are men that don't know much about the female anatomy. And that has caused a problem in the dating and relationship community. So to insult her because you don't have a full understanding is not fair, right? Mm -hmm. That's incorrect. And then it blew up. Everyone everywhere was calling me, like people in New York, people around the US, like people who haven't talked to me in years were like, oh my God, you're on TikTok? Like I saw your post. And I was like, I didn't know this... I was so shocked at how, like, people are suffering. Need, yeah, like it was like I didn't realize this was this big of a deal. So why not? Like, let's just keep going if that's the case. So yeah, that was weird. That was wild. <laughs> it was cool though. So you were saying that you were doing wrong in a relationship, um, yes, and then you were just you know f- trying to find the perfect partner. Yeah. Do you think like people go? in a relationship just to be with someone because i think right now what people are doing is they're rushing to be in a relationship people are so that's a good point right people a lot of people are in a hurry to be with someone um so what i would say is naturally we all have this connection that we want to fulfill right with people a lot of us want that but the problem is there's a lot of unhealed people that are not healing And they're using other people to fix their healing. Because when you need to heal, there's a job that you need to do for yourself. There's a certain amount of validation that you need. There's a certain amount of love that you need and happiness that needs to be generated on your own. And what people are doing is because they're not sitting with their pain and figuring out how to get through it. What they're doing is they're finding other people to fill it for them. And they're giving other people a job. So even though they call it love and they call it affection, sometimes those words are being manipulated for what they really are. I feel a gap because I didn't get love growing up. Or I feel like when I got, when someone broke up with me, it challenged my value and my self-worth. So now I look for that in other people. So that's why I think they rush because they want to hurry up and get rid of that feeling. Because when they don't have someone, then the feeling comes out, right? The void of you don't have someone to make you feel valid right now. How are you going to challenge this feeling on your own? So that's when they can't sit with it. They get anxiety and they're like, I got to find someone. And they quickly look for someone to fill that. So that's when it's being misused, right? That's when relationships aren't being used properly. They need validations for themselves because they feel they're not loved and they're looking and they're looking for love in someone else rather than yes. loving themselves first. Yeah, exactly. Because then they don't even value the love that they're receiving because mm-hmm. they don't know what value looks like inside them. So you have to know what value you carry before you can understand how someone could love you. Because if you don't think you have much value and someone loves you a lot, how are you going to value their love for you? Yeah, because if you don't value yourself, you don't love yourself, don't expect anyone else to love you. Um, as a matter of fact, respect you. Because I think before love, respect comes in. Because I feel like love fades away. You know, there are some days there won't be love in a relationship. 
But That's a good point. if there is not a respect, it's it's that relationship is done. Yeah, I agree. Because respect shows that you're willing to stand under the the authority, right? So like let's say if I'm trying to talk to you about something and it's something about what I'm feeling. Respect says you're going to listen to me and entertain the thought before you start attacking me or before you start addressing it. When you attack me before you listen to my feeling or before you think about what I've just said, then that means you're not showing me respect because you're not taking into consideration that what I'm saying is important enough for you to consider. So respect has to come before you can really start to love someone because that's a part of how you show value to that person, right? I value you a lot. So if what you say to me is real, then I need to sit down and think about this. I can't just go, oh, let me attack you. I have to actually consider what you're saying. I need to process it and see if there's anything I can do or if there's any way I can talk this through with you. Respect gives you that space to solve problems, to solve issues, and to work through these mountains and relationships. You've talked a lot about narcissistic behavior in a relationship. Absolutely. Yes. Where does this behavior start? Um, is, you know, let's say if someone is in a relationship, um, what are some of the, the key factors um, you know, you get to know that that person is being narcissistic because I feel like um, in the beginning of the relationship, you may not see, uh, but as the relationship proceeds, uh, that behavior is like, you know, outgrows that person and it just like, you know, out there and it's hard for a person who's dealing with those issues for them to get out of the relationship. Yeah. So narcissistic personality disorder is a diagnosable disorder, right? And it often starts at a very young age when a child is overvalidated, right? So sometimes this can happen if you don't tell your child about the reality of what they're doing, right? You're trying to help them avoid disappointment. So what you could potentially do is say, oh, well, I want to reward you. I want to make you feel good. I don't want to make you feel like anything's wrong with what you're doing. But sometimes the child needs to know that this is wrong, right? This is bad. But we try to protect them from those emotions because we don't want them to feel those things. But what could happen is a child develops an unrealistic idea of what good and bad will look like. And then it's overvalidated. So then they can't process bad very well. So what they do is they try to overcompensate by avoiding it, by saying, oh, no, this is not bad. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. No, you're bad. It's all, it starts to become a deflection as they progress. Now, not everybody has narcissistic personality disorder, but people do exhibit narcissistic characteristics when they start to act this way, because this response can come from people who are insecure, from people who are prideful, from people who are egotistical. They start to exhibit these similar characteristics. So it's normally someone, so I guess some points to look at is someone who's not okay with taking accountability. 
That's one of the number one ways to know you have someone who's exhibiting narcissistic behaviors. They're terrible with accountability. And what they'll do if you try to tell them, hey, can you own up to where you're wrong? They'll either say, no, I don't want to talk about it, or you don't know what you're saying, or they'll gaslight you and they'll say it never happened. They'll do anything possible to avoid the feeling of accountability because it feels bad. And they'll do anything to get out of that, but yet they want to keep you. So it's weird because it's like, I want you to be in this relationship on my terms. And that's why some people feel like they're being controlled. They feel like they're being manipulated. They feel like they're being uh, brainwashed because they're doing whatever possible to convince you that they're in the right. And sometimes if you love this person, it can get even worse because now they have a certain level of access to your psyche. So if they can make you feel a certain way and combine that with telling you things that are not true. It's almost like hypnosis. Like now they're hypnotizing you into believing that your reality is questionable. So that's how you'll know. That's like deep rooted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of toxic also. Uh, Kind of. (laughs) That's real toxic. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you said that when you love someone and that person is being narcissistic, it's really hard to get out of that relationship. Um, I can only imagine how it feels for the person who, in being in that relationship. Must be like really hard because I feel like when you're in a relationship, it shouldn't be as stressful. Um, it should be the more re- the most relaxed feeling ever because when you love someone. It's about, you know, giving out to each other, uh, you know, making sure you both are protected in a relationship. Um, And the fact that some people, I think, they don't feel protected in relationship. So I can agree with that because, no, like you're so right. And people have a hard time providing the other person a safe space. Because in order for me to provide you that safe space, I have to be willing to take whatever you have going on and prioritize it over what I have in that moment. But the reality is, if, like I said, if I'm not healed and you bring up something that I haven't healed past, it's going to be very difficult for me to try to figure out how to help you. Because if I sit there and it's a triggering topic for me, And I feel like I'm even, so for example, you'll see this when sometimes you talk about a topic about someone else and another person gets hurt from it, right? Like you'll say, oh, this person can't communicate. All they do is insult me, you know? And then the other person goes like, well, sometimes that's what has to happen. And then it's like, well, I wasn't even talking about you, but that shows you that they're struggling with the same pain as this person. So They can't help you feel safe. And then that causes the person to feel like you're not giving me what I need. And it turns into like this fight, right? Because we need to have the emotional, I guess, strength to say, I can give you a space and put myself and my needs aside to give you that security and not make you feel judged or make you feel attacked, but instead make you feel heard without using my own ideas of what's going on. I just need to give you that individually. And a lot of people can't do that. 
some of these things that I'm hearing, I was like, shit, this is really happens in a relationship because one person is not healed properly mm-hmm. from whatever traumas or, you know, bad things they've been through in their past. Yeah. And there's so many different kinds of traumas. Like in the DSM, which is the book of diagnoses that like psychologists use, if you look through it, there's so many pages. People can get traumatized from all kinds of things. Some people can see something outside. They could be watching a show or a newscast. Things People are getting traumatized all the time in smaller ways to bigger ways. So we must always be challenging ourselves to figure out how to cope better. That's mm-hmm. when we develop coping mechanisms because that's what helps you get through managing this emotion without acting erratic. Because when you don't have a handle on it, that's normally when you see people start to act and lash out because they don't know how to deal with that emotion. So they're dealing with it in the best way that they can manage it without guidance, which is often, you know, not very healthy. If you would like to share uh, one incident or one case that came to you and you were like blown away with, damn, this is what happens in a relationship. Uh, Like this is intense, deep, like, really traumatizing relationship it is. And how did you help that person get out of that relationship? So this was this was one that was really sad. Um, and sometimes I get really sad cases where, because I'm not, you know, a robot. So clearly I can get emotional too. Mm-hmm. But she was being manipulated very heavily and she had no idea. She wasn't aware of the dating scene. She wasn't aware of how people act. She had no knowledge of the psychology that happens when it comes to people and how they process things. So this person was hitting her with every manipulation strategy he could. And she was just like thinking something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm trying my best, but it's not working. He just gets more upset or I feel like like she was actually being fully manipulated. And I had to tell her, you know, the reality of how this is happening. And she was empathetic. So a lot of people who get manipulated from what I've seen tend to be a little bit more empathetic. And what they do is they tell them, they they see a person and they see the pain that they're feeling and they try, they feel it themselves. So like if you're sitting down holding your stomach, an empathetic person can feel like, oh my God, that's making me feel like my stomach hurts, you know? Or when you see a person break a bone, you start to hold your arm. It's like they start to feel it. A manipulator fakes pain, right? They use pain as a weapon to get you to do what they want. So when an empathetic person sees you faking the pain, they get bought in because they're like, oh, you're feeling the pain. I feel that too. Ooh, I can, I can work with you, right? Let me help mm. you. But then they end up falling into the trap. So it's kind of like when you're walking through the woods. I don't know if you ever seen those movies where they'll see like a cute little animal and they'll be like, oh, the animal needs help. And they'll pick up the animal and then some rope snatches their leg up and they're hanging from a tree. So like that's kind of what happens. It's, it's, a, it's a bluff. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they can have trouble, you know, noticing that because the person is so convincing. So I revealed her empathetic nature. 
And I helped her see how the empathy, you know, even though it was a great quality about her, was being abused by this person. And once she started to see that and a lot of emotional healing from that situation, then she was able to move on. A good thing that you uh, brought up over here is that people who are overly empathetic, they just fell into the trap of toxic relationship. How do, so how do you show love towards other person, but still able to see, okay, this is where I draw the line, this is where I draw the boundary between how am I respected, how my feelings are respected, and I, at the same time, how I should show my love towards the other person? Good question. That's a great question. So this, this I got to think a little bit. So this is one of those situations where it takes a lot of knowing yourself first because you have to know your limitations because when you meet a person, there has to be an understanding that they don't know you. They didn't grow up with you. They don't know your culture. They don't know how your family is. They don't know what's good or bad to you. Just like their family, you don't know that about them either. So when two people are coming together, there's going to be a lot of or a little bit of chaos in that because it's a little bit of learning each other's needs. And in learning about that, there are going to be some boundaries that may be crossed by accident because it's like I'm not trying to do it. I just don't know all your boundaries, right? Because mm. you can't really sit down on the first date and say, Here's all of the boundaries not to cross because maybe you don't even know all your boundaries yet because you haven't even been tested that far. So what you have to do is go in with optimism, but also be confident enough that when you see something go wrong, you have the proper communication skills to say this is a boundary, right? Because sometimes you don't know until you get there and you have to give them grace and give yourself enough grace to say, I'm going to leave room for mess ups. But when they do happen, I'm going to make sure that I communicate that up front. And I'm going to do it in a way that they know how bad it is for me to experience this. And if that person respects that, then you've got someone that's that's doing a good job, right? Because it's all, and it's going to be like this forever. Like, I'm sure, like, you know, I know you're married. I'm sure there's still some times that you guys are learning new stuff about each other. And you're like, man, I didn't know this made me annoyed before, but this is new, right? right. So it, it's always going to be, that's that's a part of the journey, right? Is, is learning that. Hush uh, was my first relationship uh, and I got married. We were in long distance relationship. Um, and I remember when we first got married, we didn't know each other's boundaries. We didn't communicate it on that. But one thing that I do like about our relationship is we don't uh, shy away from letting each other know what's bothering us. Mm, that's and big. I and I think that's one thing um, that people don't do in a relationship is like, oh, okay, I will hurt that person when I say that. Okay, that person won't love me when I say that. No, like you're in a relationship. You you came into relationship for a reason. If you can communicate your feelings, how are you safe in a relationship? We just when we discussed our boundaries, we discussed what's bothering both of us, and then we came to terms like, okay, how are we supposed to work together and then move forward? And there's been time like, okay, like we do get into argu arguments. 
I mean, everyone's not perfect, but as long as you're communicating and you're working on those communications, your relationship's going to go better every single day. So I have a question and I know I'm not supposed, I don't know if I'm supposed to be asking questions, but I have a question. Um, So being married as long as you have, and this being your first relationship and first marriage, there's a lot of firsts, right? And that's hard for most people because there's so many new things and trying to process that. So like when, because I just had a conversation with someone about this. I Mm -hmm. said, you know, the problem that I'm seeing with people is they're not really talking about what bothers them because they're afraid of what could happen. So now I understand that that's, that can be hard to do, right? Cause just like, you don't want to ruin the moment. You don't want to disappoint the person, but let me ask you as in a successful marriage that you're in, how did you guys become okay with talking about things that bother you? Like, how do you make it so you don't take it personal? Like, how do you do that? Really great question. Um, it, it takes time. Mm-hmm. First of all, you need to know yourself. Like you've said, you need to know yourself. You need to know what's bothering you. And mm-hmm. what's the level of, um, what's the, what, where is your like breaking point? Mm. You're so right. Like you, if, you, <laughs> if you cannot take the shit from that breaking point, you got to bring that shit out. Like, you know, um, when we first got married, um, Harsh was working like he still works like workaholic handling too many things at one time mm. we re- we have recently got married right and i was like bro okay you i know that you gotta work i know that uh there are things that need to get done but at the same time there is a life um beyond just work uh we had to work on our calendars Mm. like we literally put our time on our calendars that okay this is Hirsch and I are going on date nights on these days like we figure out a plan because if I mean he's busy and now that I'm busy at the same time uh, it's hard to get time for each other Um, so we plan it out okay let's keep Friday nights date nights no calls uh, after five o'clock six o'clock no calls and that's uh, working perfectly fine with us. And then uh, now that what we're doing is uh, mostly Friday nights is our cooking um, time. We cook together because I don't just I don't just we don't like to like just go out and then you know eat out and then come home. Uh, I think when we do our activities together, we bond well together. When you do stuff together, you bond well together. So uh, took us three years to figure it out. wow so so how did you how did you find the patience to work through that really good question um you need to grace you need to give grace to other person you need to know what other person is coming from you need to put your feet in other person's shoes like what they're coming from you know he's ever since he's like what um 13 14 is man of the house like you know working uh you know it's he just feel like he's a provider of the family like he has to hustle if he's not hustling he's not bringing bread home um so i had to i had to understand that okay this is what his perspective is i will work through his perspective but at the same time how will i give him my perspective of what i feel that this is okay 
there is a solution to this and how we can work together. And same goes for the other person, like the person also has to give you the grace of what you're coming from. Did you know this about relationships before you got into a relationship or did you learn this with experience? Are you like crossing? How is it going now? Are you going to interview me now for the rest of the podcast? Oh. <laughs> um. But this is so good. It's so interesting. You don't hear too many successful relationships or marriages anymore. So it's like, because it, it also, you know, speaks on what I'm saying, right? Like it's, it's just so, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm done after this. No, no, no. I, and I was just, I was just joking, but um, yeah. no, I mean, I think it's a working process, man. It's, it's a working process. Um, you said that, how did I, okay. Well, how'd you learn? Before uh, dating Hirsch, I used to watch these uh, YouTube videos of, uh, what is the guy's name? Matthew, Matthew Hussey? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like big time. The big time, yeah. yeah. I, I've watched a few of his uh, like um, uh, videos of how like women are falling hard in a wrong relationships and, and what are the things to like, you know, avoid in a relationship. Um so yeah, that used to watch, and then um, it takes time, man. It just like when you're little, you you take time to walk, you know. And I think what happens in these times, people don't give time to relationship. They're quick to get out of it. Mm. They're really quick to get out of it. Patience, communication, and patience. And by, you know, if they're like, if there's a stopping point and the other person is not responding to your uh, things, then, you know, go ahead, you know, get out of that relationship. But then you have to give time. You have to have patience. That's, that's, that's wild. That's, that's awesome that you figured that out on your first relationship <laughs> and first marriage. <laughs> like that's, that's pretty, it goes to show you, you don't need a lot of relationships to learn this. You know, you don't have to go through so many. Sometimes it just takes one, right? So that's that's your proof of that, which is which is amazing. But yeah, that's Thank it. You. I got no more questions. <laughs> what do you think? What are the red flags that women need to look out in men? Okay, so you definitely want to look out for men who aren't healed enough to understand your emotional journey, because men need to have, or people in general, right? But we're talking about men need to have two important qualities, self-awareness and compassion. Okay. Because to be self-aware is to know yourself and be aware when you're doing something wrong and when, how you're affecting the world and to know where it comes from and to be able to challenge that about you. So if I start reacting in an unhealthy way, I can look inward and say, okay, this comes from a certain place that might have happened four years ago. I remember the situation that you don't deserve that treatment. That's my fault, right? He can take ownership or he can be aware. And also he can let you know and communicate that to you so you don't have to feel like you don't know why this is happening and he's confusing you. Number two, having compassion. I can 
be compassionate about what you're going through, the way you felt and the way you've processed things. And I can see it from your side without letting myself go too far into it, because there also needs to be a strength from my side to say, even though you're going through this, and even though I can sit and listen and feel it with you, we can both still challenge it together and find a way through it to build more self-awareness and strength. So I think the red flags are when guys are not able to give you that. They're not able to be self-aware enough to notice when they're wrong or to even think about it. And they're also not willing to listen to you or when you're coming from or to even think about it. They're not giving out safe spaces, especially when they can't have their own safe space for themselves. Because if they're not willing to sit with their own emotions and process it, how can they do that for you? And what I see happen in the dating field a lot is we're trying to get people who are not that self-aware, who are not that compassionate, and make them that way. That person has to do that on their own. Now, they may see value from you letting them know about it, but that's a journey all by themselves. So now you're going to be carrying both of your self-awareness, and that's not going to work. So that's what I would say is a huge red flag, is a guy like that. What about women? Um, I know you're a relationship coach, and then you help women get out of a bad relationship. But I feel like there's, you know, both sides, you know, there are men out there who are in a bad relationship. Um, so what are the red flags in a woman? So what I've seen with women is that sometimes because women have a secret power where it's like they know the truth before they even see it and they have an intuition. But the problem is that they overcompensate. They, they don't. I guess they don't lean into that enough and they'll try to, you know, see past it in order to help a person, right? So if a person is, sounds like they're lying or looks like they're lying, and then you kind of get that feeling in your gut, like something isn't right, instead of leaning into that feeling and, you know, receiving it and thinking it through, sometimes they want the person, the person in front of you is so hard to decipher. So you're seeing the pain up front. And what they'll do is they'll allow that person to invalidate their secret power. And that's normally what I see wrong is they'll tell themselves something that's not true in order to make it work with this person. Like they'll say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Um, he's just, he's just got to learn. When in reality, you're not happy with the situation. It is a big deal. And he's not learning. But you're not willing to come to terms with that because you don't want to feel bad about telling him the truth. And you don't want this to have to go bad, the situation. You don't want to lose it because you're the one that wasn't happy with what was going on. So it's like to avoid, you know, having to put that secret power out there and see what happens. They'll try to maneuver the situation where it can work in their favor, but it often doesn't work that way. So I would say what, what helps women, in which I normally get them to see in my sessions, is I help reveal that their secret power is one of the best things that they can have. And to utilize that and harness it and practice with it and make that the best thing for you so you know how to navigate out of these situations. And don't let anyone ever make you question that. 
because people mm. will do that. Guys will do that. They will use their, you know, dominance to try to overpower your own intuition and make you think that what you believe is not true or make you think that, you know, what you're saying doesn't have doesn't make any sense. Instead, they're not making room for you. So they'll try to invalidate you. How would they do that? Like, for example, give give me an example. Give me an example. Give me a scenario of how in this situation, uh, you know, men sees that, okay, you're, you're using your superpower um, to uh, tell men that, okay, they're doing wrong. And then they're seeing that and sort of like improving on those things, they like overpower you. Give me a scenario of how they overpower you. So what they do is they make you second guess yourself. Like they try to make you feel like an abundance of love is being handed to you first. So what they do is they break down your your guard by making you feel loved and making you feel like their love is believable. Then once they get you to that point, they listen to your vulnerabilities, they listen to your weaknesses, and then they invalidate what you've done to become strong. So let you, let's say when you were younger, um, people didn't listen to you, right? That's often one thing I hear from a lot of ladies is when I was younger, no one listened to me because I was a little girl. No one took me serious. So as I got older, I built my voice, right? I built that voice to be heard. I don't want anyone to talk over me. So what will happen is a guy will make you feel loved. And then when you start to use your voice, he says, you're hurting me. When in reality, it's not about him being hurt. It's about you being hurt in that moment. He can't set himself aside. Mm. So instead of him setting himself aside and saying, even though this is hurtful to hear, I need to hear it because I need to make sure that she's happy or that we're compatible. But instead of doing that, he's saying, oh, you're bad. And then you start to second guess yourself because you care about this person. So then you're like, am I really bad? So this negative feeling that I'm feeling is, is me being evil towards you. And then he'll be like, yes, you're evil. We'll go with that. Right. He's trying to make you see a different story. So then that feeling that you had, that intuition is now invalid. And now it's being used against you. So now you think you're the person causing all the issues. And then it just gets you deeper and deeper into the toxic. So that's where I've seen it happen. What's the difference between being in love and loving someone? Oh, man. So... Here's how I perceive it, right? Because I, I can understand that's probably different for people. Um, I think when you're in love with someone, the description is, you know, it's more of a feeling. You become comfortable with this feeling that you have for this person. The things that they do, the person that they are, the person that they've represented. There are just so many things about them that validate your emotions in particular. Emotionally, you are driven towards this person. And then to say you have love for someone, because I believe you can love someone and not be in love with them. To love someone is to say, regardless of how I feel, I care about you. Like, even though I might not be emotionally driven towards you, I do want to make sure that you are happy. And I want to make sure that you get what you need out of life. And I want to be a part of that journey or I want to help with that. I want to make sure that your mental health is good, your physical health is good, and just be a part of that. So what I think happens is, especially in a marriage, 
you may not be in love 24-7. <laughs> like, I think that's a little bit weird because it's like you can't always be, oh, my God, you know, I just want you all the time. Like, that, that's, <laughs> that's kind of unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, because that's kind of like a high, right? And you, there's, you know, emotions fluctuate. They're not predictable. Right. Right. So, but even though you may not be at a 10 today, let's say you may be at a 4. You guys had a fight or you're not seeing eye to eye and you just don't really feel like getting in the mood, right? You're not in the mood, but you still love this person. So you want to make sure they're taken care of. Like, let's say, you know, Hearst is sick, but right now you're at a four right now because he said something crazy yesterday. You want to make sure he gets his medicine, right? And you want to make sure that he's going to be okay. Even though you're not in the mood right now, or even though you're not there, you still want to make sure he's in the best state. So that's what it means to love someone as opposed to being in love with someone. That's Herkadeep. Herkadeep. <laughs> <laughs> I still, does he still have that name? He still has that name. <laughs> like, oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you've been, you've seen best of both worlds. Um, you've been friends with uh, Gagan, my brother, um, since 10th grade. Um, What are the differences you've seen in a relationship um, of Western relationship as compared to like Indian relationship? Man, okay, wow. Um, so Western, what's, I mean, what's wrong in both the relationships? <laughs> so here we go. What I have seen from personal experience, because I don't want to speak for everybody, very careful. Mm -hmm. Um But what I've seen, and I've also had Indian clients, um, so I've I've seen this more. In Western civilization, I think there's a lot of, you know, different constructs coming together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that works really well because some people can be very open-minded. Um, but sometimes that can also work against them because sometimes they're too open-minded and they don't know their own boundaries because they're too busy trying to take on the ideologies and principles of every single person, every single way. Mm -hmm. So I think Western civilization has both a combination of opportunity to, you know, see how they act, but there's also, you know, guards that people need to be okay with. But because of that, there's a lot of boxed in, you know, old school traditions that are still showing up today. So like, for example, what I see in Indian culture is a more traditional way, right? Now, I know that's changing now, right? That's changing a lot now. But right. what I've seen is they're still upholding tradition very high, right? Like things are done a certain way. A man and woman are looked at in a certain regard. There isn't much or not a whole lot of change from how it used to be. So we're still holding on to those roots And that's good because it's still showing that, you know, you still have a similar belief system. So that allows you to move very similarly. But I think the opportunity comes in when there were toxic parts of the past to consider, right? Just, it's very similar in Western civilization in the U.S. and in India. Back in the past, there was a lot of inequality. And mm -hmm. I think that's been a similar issue for, especially for women. Right. Because in the 1920s, women didn't have the night, the right to work. Right. They didn't have the right to birth control. Right? right. The first woman that invented a birth control clinic, it was burned down. You couldn't leave your husband unless you had several accounts of proven um, abuse. Right. And 
who even knows if that even worked? So there was misogyny. And then in Indian culture, I've seen the same thing Mm -hmm. where women aren't held as equal to men in regards to rights and in regards to um, just a lot of life things. So I think that has been the opportunity on both sides. And what we're trying to do is find the best way to move forward from that without losing some of the good values, which is structure and beliefs and culture. So I think the difference between Indian culture and Western is Western has indoctrinated a lot of different cultures and ideologies, whereas Indian still kind of sticks to their version of things. But I think that that's starting to change. I think they're starting to adopt others as well, which I think could be a good thing as long as you know yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to get too far into someone else's culture or beliefs and then lose yourself because that could happen. Why mostly relationship coaches are single? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what's up with that so here's the thing (laughs) so how do i put this i don't know um because i've seen that too and clearly i'm i'm one of them you know what i think so what i know for me is that i the reason why i know so much is because i've also been bad so Mm. I think that's what's kept me single for so long is because I wasn't healed and I wasn't ready. So when I went through the healing and when I went through the journey, then I finally was ready. But then I started to build this business. And now I'm like, oh, man, I'm in a weird place because now I'm building this. and I don't have a lot of time, even though I'm ready or I'm a lot better. I'm more suitable for it now. But I can say the reason why I got this far being single, one of the major reasons was I was learning life the hard way and I wasn't listening to anyone. And that kept me single. So a lot of the things that I tell people about, you know, where they're scared and manipulated, I did that. So that's my fault. The reason why I'm single is because it was my fault. But because I did so much wrong, I can also become a teaching tool for others on what to spot because there are so many people that are not self-aware that are causing bad things to happen in their lives that they're not even, they don't even notice. Mm -hmm. And I was one of them. And now that I've gotten out of it and I've had the opportunity, you know, I can give this to other people. So I think my journey was to do this and not worry about getting into the relationship at the moment. But I am ready. And I'm sure that at some point when it happens, I'll I'll give it my all. But yeah, that's that is funny though. That is funny. Xavier, um, thank you, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, you know, this is really interesting to see that first of all, very few men own up to their mistakes, especially yeah. in relationship, because of mm-hmm. the ego. Um, yes. You know. You owning up to your mistake that, okay, this is what I've done wrong in my relationships and I've hurt some other person. How can I do it so that other women out there do not hurt? Um, So I think this is a really great initiative, really good um, platform that you've presented out uh, for women to get out of the toxic relationship. Um, So thank you again for coming on the show and um, looking forward for uh, more chats, more conversations. 